0: The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key
1: individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood.
0: Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is the newscast for episode 117 for the week of May 13th. Alex, how's your week been?
1: Uh, you know, it's been a pretty good week, Rob. I can't complain other than the weather, you know, a little rainy and chilly, but you know, sort of springish weather, but not
0: small talk, Alex, let's get into oh. the podcast. All right then. <laughs> hey, we do have some, uh, some housekeeping. There's a Slack channel. Uh, this is a place where people talk and, and look for jobs and talk about events. And, uh, a lot of sa- talk about static code analysis and dynamic analysis on the channel lately. Some, some password cracking talk. Yeah. Uh, lots of different stuff out there. Lots of news. People And like I said, people looking for jobs and people looking to hire. It's it, kind of like the perfect storm.
1: It is like a perfect storm. Uh, in addition to that, we have a mailing list. So if you go to our website, colorado-security.com, uh, check out the footer. You can sign up for our mailing list, get the show notes into your email as soon as the podcast is released. You know it would be awesome if right now...
0: All of you who, other than the 30 people who have already done it, were to pause the podcast and go out and rate us in, the, uh, in your favorite listening store. So there's only been 30 people who've rated us on the iTunes store. If you do that right now, we would have like 500. Just go do those for us. That helps us find new listeners and um, really helps us really reach a wider audience.
1: Yes. And in addition to that, uh, we would love if you told a friend about how great Colorado Equal Security is. Um, all the cool things that we do, the website, the Slack channel, the podcast, everything. Uh, let them know if they're interested in uh, information security, check us out. And, uh, and yeah, that, that would be great. And if you want to do even more, we could we could use some cash money to help
0: run all this stuff. Cash money. There's a Patreon uh, pay- webpage. You can find that on colorado-security.com. All the money you give there goes directly back into the community, helping pay for the podcast and all the other stuff we do here. Awesome. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the news. Uh, Alex, did you know that Denver has rated among the best places to start a business, according to a
1: new study? Well, um, I am not surprised, Rob. Denver is a wonderful place. Um, in fact, it rated number 10 um, in terms of best best, bleh, best places to start a business. And this is out of the top, the largest 100 cities
0: in the U.S.? Uh, and they rated it across a, m- a bunch of different uh, categories, but not only was Denver number 10, uh, Aurora was number 21 and Colorado Springs was number
1: 29. Yeah, they looked at 19 factors, uh, including the five-year business survival rate and office affordability and, and other things like that. The The number one on that list, Rob, what was that? Orlando, Florida. Oh. Uh, big mouse ears there. So I, I guess if you want to, to sell to Disney, then uh, you should start a business in Orlando. It's really interesting.
0: The top 10 has uh, three cities from Florida so uh, Orlando uh, Miami and Tampa and three cities from North Carolina Charlotte Durham and Raleigh Wow kind of, kind of amazing that you know uh, 60% of the list is made from just those two states
1: in the in the southeast that is pretty crazy I, I'm guessing that that um, office space affordability goes into the equation for those places all right uh, wow. ne- go ahead next um, in April, um, some startups got funded surprise, surprise in, uh, in April, $110 million were raised from startups. Um, that is here not, in Colorado, here in Colorado. Yes. Um, that is not as good, um, as from, uh, March when it was 275, sorry, 79 million. Um, but, uh, but it is up in general from the 86 million previously.
0: They have a list of the companies that took funding in April, and number one on the list and number one in our hearts is Red Canary, the cybersecurity company. Exactly, uh, just under thirty-four million dollars. Congrats to them. All right, next. This is the uh, this is the drama that's been playing out over the last few weeks. Uh, we it, have an exciting like conclusion. Dallas. It is like Dallas. Who shot Jr? Well, now we know who bought Anadarko.
1: Yes. Uh, in this case, uh, Chevron is the big loser. Occidental won out in the bidding for Anadarko. They, uh, Occidental up their bid to, I believe $76 a share. You got it. Um, which was up from, I think around sixty-four, sixty-five from Chevron's original
0: bid. Uh, it was actually significantly higher than Chevron's original. It was actually above even Occidental's original, but the good news is for, for Chevron, number one, they get to keep their $70 billion. Number two, they actually get a billion dollars from Anadarko, you know, kind of a consolation
1: prize for the breakup. You know, um, I think, Rob, anytime I make a contract from here on out, I'm going to put a $1 billion breakup clause in there, you know, just to see what people say.
0: Uh, I like it. Uh, I do. I do have that in the prenup with my wife. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, she's been working really hard <laughs> to make that money. <laughs> uh, she's quite motivated. I'm sure she is. <laughs> Unfortunately, she's a, she's not quite there yet.
1: Uh, next, uh, CenturyLink announced that they are considering some strategic options, including including selling off parts of their business. That's kind of crazy. It is fun, and I get the fact that you get you get a company that size
0: and buying and selling. Uh, becomes very strategic. It just seems funny from the outside. You know, we were talking excitedly a while back about how they were buying level three and they're acquiring and they're getting bigger. And and now they're looking to shed some of the same resources they just
1: bought during that acquisition. Yeah. I think part of this stems from the fact that they uh, just had quarterly results and they were not very good. And so they, I think, you know, sort of to appease the investors, right? It's like, hey, you know, we're going to take a look at, at what we could do potentially to right. sell stuff off and, and make your, your shareholder value better.
0: Yeah, they, they do say, you know, they don't go into a lot of details about what they might sell off, but they specifically mention uh, that they'll look into selling off things like data centers. Um, so data centers uh, may be not a not as profitable a part of the business.
1: They also did not mention con- uh, consumer services as one thing they're going to look at too.
0: Um, you know, speaking of telcos in town, this has been another one that's been coming for a little bit. Zayo has been acquired by private equity firms for $14.3 billion.
1: Yeah. Um, we've had some stories on in the past you know, month or so, couple months maybe, about how private equity has been talking to Zayo and it looks like they finally pulled the trigger. Uh, the group that had been talking to them previously was the one that ended up uh, doing this offer. And so they're going to be now bought by private equity.
0: And this is it actually maybe part of what makes spinning off Parts of the business look attractive to CenturyLink. If you remember, Zayo had been talking about spinning off their business into multiple, you know, basically like splitting it apart, and uh, and and that kind of drove up value here, and and, and maybe the same thing for for CenturyLink. So,
1: really interesting for sure. Um, also, this week, Webroot released their ranking of states on cyber hygiene. I, I actually remember this from last year. Yeah, uh, I do too.
0: And and but I don't remember where we were last year. I'm I'm a little surprised where we are this year.
1: Colorado is number twenty-three, uh, so we are, you know, up, up above the the mean. Yeah, well above. Well, yeah, ten percent above the mean. Yeah, exactly. Ish. So, so that's good, um, positive thing there. But you know, I think we could probably do a little bit better than twenty-three. Also, um, the five least risky or safest states were Kentucky, Idaho, Ohio, North Dakota, and New Hampshire.
0: And and then the riskiest states: Mississippi, Louisiana, California, Alaska, and Connecticut. That that list is so surprising to me because yeah. there's like nothing in common. You look at you know Mississippi and Louisiana, and you think, oh, there's a, there's a trend, right? Right. And then you go California.
1: Well, what that's, well, that's
0: different. Alaska, which couldn't be much more different than either. Right. And then Connecticut. Right. And, uh, and you've really just basically got all the corners of the United States, and you know, socioeconomically, technically, they just have not a lot in common. But apparently, they they do have in common the fact that they are super risky from a cyber hygiene perspective. Oh, uh, who would have thunk? Hey, can we, can we just start cleaning up our own computers here in town? Use some deodorant,
1: yeah. uh, whatever it takes. <laughs> so us. At least some Max body spray, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just just something, guys. Come on, try a little. <laughs> the, the at least, at least try and cover it up. <laughs> <laughs> With that,
0: uh, next story here is Sumo Logic, who is uh, not a Colorado company, but has really become a significant presence here in Colorado. They have completed a $110 million funding
1: round. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money, and congratulations to them. Um, they actually had more than $100 million in revenue in fiscal year uh, 2019, um, and they're valued over a billion dollars.
0: Um, so this actually... this raise here actually takes them up to a total raise of 345 million over the course of their company. So they are a, a very significant, uh, they spend a
1: lot of money is what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Well, technically still a startup, but that's the, you know, way beyond your, your little teeny startup. Yeah.
0: Well, they say that they're planning to use this new infusion of, of capital to, uh, to invest in their engineering sales and their, their global operations, basically looking to get bigger, better, faster. And of course they are a direct competitor to Splunk and that's an exploding market. So yes, it uh, is. Congratulations to Sumo and they are a neighbor in my, my building. I assume that they'll have champagne that I can, (laughs) that I can go drink now.
1: I I think you should go look for it. Chris
0: and Zach, if that's not true, well go get a bottle of champagne and invite me downstairs and I'll, I'll come drink it.
1: I've also seen some jobs that have been available for Sumo logic there. So they're going to be using some of that money for hiring people. Uh, Next, Optive had a blog talking about business email compromise and how um, fraudsters are using that to exploit people in the cloud. So, you know, we we have talked
0: a lot about business email compromise over the last, what, five years or so? This has become just a really popular way for criminals to steal money out of organizations. Uh, This blog post breaks down how they work and it specifically talks about how the FBI defines business email compromise with Um, the different phases being uh, target acquired, grooming, exchange of information, and then the wire transfer. Um, They go into this article about what does a business email compromise look like and really what you should do to defend against
1: it. Yeah, it was actually a a very good blog post. um, So go check that one out.
0: Um, Next, Intellisecure had a blog post around securing the digital transformation part one. And I would say that this one isn't really about securing digital transformation. This particular part of the of the series is about defining digital transformation, uh, and it's written by Jeremy Witkop who's the, the CTO, who we've actually had on the podcast in the past. Uh, he goes through and finds three different dif- different definitions of digital transformation, uh, and kind of picks the one he likes best. Uh, and, and and really, the one he likes focuses on people, process, and technology, and he, he uses that as the basis for this pod or this blog to talk about you know what does digital transformation look look like for your processes and for your yep. people and technology and, and giving you a chance to really start thinking about, um, what, what is transformation made up on? And I, it looks like the second part of this series is going to talk about how do you secure the process?
1: Yeah. And, and I like this blog also, I think we've heard the term digital transformation a lot and you know, on the surface of it, you may think, you know what it means, but really digging into that and getting down to the details is important too. And I, I think he definitely does that well in this blog. Uh, finally, there was a blog post from Colfire about. Uh, cloud computing, uh, talking about different cloud computing models and, you know, where we've come from and, and where we are today.
0: I, I like the fact that he, you know, basically ties this back all the way back to IBM mainframes. And back when you'd realize, Hey, only a few companies can afford to buy these mainframes and then they sit there idle. So people right. would rent computer time. Right. And that's basically what he's saying is the start of the cloud. You know, you know, technically speaking, we have definitions around cloud that are different than that. However, I think that the, the, the model is right that someone's paying for really expensive hardware that you, so you don't have to, so you get to use it. Uh, he talks about, uh, the, uh, I, I like they have the, the references to the Gartner story in here talking about how, while we expected that everyone was going to be, be moving to the cloud, right. we're now seeing people slowing that down a little bit and, and investing more in certain functions that they'd want to put out there.
1: Yeah. And, and I think uh, that's a good point, And also the fact that there was a, going to Gartner again, you know, they don't talk about it this article, but Gartner has their hype cycle, right? And, you know, it's something new and it, all of a sudden it's gigantic and, and really, really overhyped. And then it goes down to, into a, you know, a big trough where people are, you know, poo-pooing it and then it kind of comes back to normalization. I think the cloud is starting to come back to that sort of normalization peak. It's not, um, it, it's not the big, shiny, amazing thing that everybody thinks is going to solve all of our problems, but people realize that it, it's a great tool and can be used strategically. Right.
0: All right, that is it for our our news stories this week. Moving over to our Slack message of the week. Big thanks to Andre Gata. Andre has been doing this for us. Man, it's been been quite a while. It has. Um, and, and I, I even st- before it was Slack message of the week. Yeah, he did it back when we had a trivia contest. Maybe we'll go back exactly. to trivia sometime. Maybe I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, but big thanks to Andre for doing this. For those who don't know, Andre is a sales guy for Mimecast in town. Oh, actually, he's not a sales guy. He's a sales director. He runs the sales team in Colorado. Uh, that he started that after he started doing this. If anyone wants to to do him a favor and and be nice to the local supporter, it'd be awesome to reach out to Andre, and I can get you in touch with him. Talk about
1: your email security needs. I'm sure he'd he'd appreciate that. And the Slack message of the week this week goes to uh, David Campbell. Uh, congratulations, D.C. DC for uh, talking about some tips on password cracking. Yeah, he gives the off-crack uh, link
0: for folks who want to do it. And really, yeah, obviously, DC is a uh, a pen tester and, and has had his chance to, to learn some of these tricks over the years. And it was nice that he was in there sharing with some folks who are looking to learn. Exactly. So DC is going to get to pick something from the Colorado Equal Security Store, thanks to Andre. Um, you'll get to pick your favorite C equals S swag.
1: Exactly. I have... Uh was working at home today, and I was using my Colorado Equal Security coffee mug. So, uh, so, Alex, yeah, you and I were talking about maybe we would want to get a new logo for Colorado yeah. Equal
0: Security. There's a, we got some people listening here who are creative. Do people actually listen to this Rob? Well, <laughs> what one or my, two? My wife and kids. Okay, <laughs> uh, so my mom listens. It, that's wonderful. So, if any of the people who are listening want to help us with this process or know someone who's the perfect person to design the new Colorado Equal Security logo. Reach out. We'd love to talk to them.
1: Yeah, a little uh, inside baseball here, some history on the Colorado Equals Security logo. Um, as we were coming up with the concept for Colorado Equal Security, we thought, hey, since we're doing this out of our own pocket, what is the absolute easiest and cheapest way that we could come up with a logo? And we looked on the internet and we found a site that does uh, free logo Art- generation. Artificial intelligence. Yes, through, <laughs> uh, in, in quotes, artificial intelligence. So you put in some keywords. Uh, what you wanted to... to uh, be called what it's about. And then it spits out a bunch of logos and you can choose one. And yeah. that's how the Colorado equals security logo was born. Except
0: Alex added the equal sign. I did it. add
1: the equals. They, they didn't have the equals in there. It had CNS. I had the equals behind it. Yeah.
0: So if anyone take a look at it, you can see Alex's <laughs> fingerprints all over this
1: thing. So, you know, we've been thinking maybe it's time for something a little bit more professional. So as Rob said, um, if you or someone, you know, is, is a logo maker, let us know.
0: All right, moving over to events. As a reminder, we have a calendar of events on the website. Um, we spend a lot of time keeping that up to date so that so that you can go to one place to know what's happening in the Colorado community in, in town here, um, in security that is. Uh, next, before we talk about the next couple of weeks, let's talk about the Rocky Mountain Information Security Conference, which the is what? happening- The what? The Rocky Mountain Information Security Conference
1: happening June 4th through 6th at the Colorado Convention Center. Yeah. So um, we wanted to highlight something today as we've been doing the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, we're going to be a little bit self-serving here. And, um, for the Wednesday evening keynote, um, there's going to be an interview with Debbie Blythe, And that interview is going to be done as part of a live version of the Colorado equals security podcast. That's going to be awesome. And we're going to, we're going to
0: go do a lot of what we're doing here with an interview, but it'll be different and in, in, live. So you'll get to see all of the mistakes instead of just most of the mistakes.
1: Exactly. Um, also you will be able to hear an interview with Debbie, which is going to be awesome. We're excited about that. Um, and
0: also on Thursday afternoon, Alex, you're moderating a panel. I think it's maybe the fourth or fifth year in a row doing the Colorado CISO panel.
1: Yes, exactly. We're um, going to have a great panel. Um, I am moderating once again. Uh, Rob, you're going to be part of that panel. We've
0: got Brent Phillips Brent from Phillips. Transamerica or, or Egon, I think it is. Yep. Um, we've got uh, Jill Fraser CISO we for Jefferson County, I think. Yes. Um, we've got, I'm going to see if I can remember Artie Wilkowski the we CISO for dish networks and, and we have one more, a lady, Desiree, Desiree Robinson yep. from NREL. Yep. Yep. Very
1: excited about that. Uh, it's going to be a great panel. Um, it is always a big hit at the conference. So come check that out.
0: Awesome. Uh, next event that we want to talk through is on the, well, I guess as we move to the next couple of weeks worth of events, May 13th, the national cybersecurity center down in Colorado Springs is doing a beyond Bitcoin one Oh two, the future of tokenized economy.
1: Uh, next, SecureSet is doing their expert series with John Morton on the miter Attack framework on the 14th. Um, also on the 14th and 15th, ISSA Denver is doing
0: their chapter meetings. That's uh, the 14th in Boulder and downtown Denver and the 15th in the Tech Center.
1: On the 15th, uh, Den, excuse me, Densec is doing their May meeting.
0: And I think that's at the Rhine House, by the way. Um, uh, also on the 15th, Denver
1: OWASP is doing their May meeting. Uh, once again on the 15th, uh, Veracode is doing their event, open source, open taps, open possibilities. I think you could actually go to all
0: three of these if you tried. It's the reverse order of what we just said, though. Veracode is afternoon, OWASP early evening, swing by and get a drink with the Densec folks after.
1: Yes, agreed.
0: Sounds like a good 15th. On the 16th, ISC Square Denver is having their May chapter meeting. Also on the 16th, SecureSet is doing a capture the flag at DenHack. Uh, ISSA Colorado Springs has their May mini seminar. That's a Saturday morning... Um, CPE opportunity from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. That's on the 18th.
1: On May 20th, Secure
0: Set is doing their cybersecurity meet and greet at Secure Set. The 21st, Colorado, uh, excuse
1: me, the Cloud Security Alliance of Colorado is doing their May chapter meeting. On the 21st and 22nd, ISSA Colorado Springs is having their May chapter meetings.
0: Holy smokes, there's a lot of events. We're Phew. not even done yet.
1: All right. ASIS, the physical security group, is doing their May meeting on the 22nd. Uh. On that one, that looks sort of interesting. The The subheader there is Behind the Scenes of Video Analytics. That sounds pretty cool. It does sound good.
0: Maybe I should go to that. Yeah. Uh,
1: also, on the 22nd, if you don't want to see uh, video analytics, you can go see the ISC Squared Pikes Peak May chapter meeting in Colorado Springs. On the 23rd, ISSA Denver is doing an education
0: workshop around incident response and disaster recovery.
1: And then finally, a Secure Set on the 23rd is doing a Capture the Flag for a cybersecurity hackathon.
0: Well, let's do one more. One more? Let's do the 24th as well. Uh, NCC is doing a secure GPS for critical infrastructure and key resources seminar. That's a lot of words.
1: That is a lot of words. I hope it's a lot
0: of good content as well. That is it for the next two weeks. All right. I wonder if this is the
1: record. That's a lot of events for the next two weeks. That was sure a lot of events. Should we talk about jobs? Why don't we talk about jobs, Rob? All right. I got
0: two jobs at Ping. I'm hiring a product security
1: Two jobs, Vaughn. Only two
0: jobs? <laughs> In Living Color. Did you see that there's going to be a reunion of In Living Color? No, that should be fun, though. Jim Carrey and Keenan and I, I Keenan Waynes and I don't know, all, all those
1: people. So I'm going I'm to sidebar even a little bit more. I watched Saturday Night <laughs> Live this past week, which I rarely do. Adam Sandler was the host, and yeah. he had Chris Rock on as part of his monologue. And uh, Chris Rock talked about joining in Living Color. Did you know that Chris Rock was on in Living Color? Uh,
0: only because I also, re- I read an article about yeah. the SNL. He,
1: he was on for like one or two weeks and then they canceled yeah, it. Right before they canceled. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh,
0: parenthetical, I there, there's a podcast I listened to that, that goes, it was, a, it was, I think it was a radio. Lab. I, uh, I think it was. And they were, they were making up fake podcasts. <laughs> and they made up one called 88% parenthetical where she, where she starts talking about things. And then she, she goes into parenthetical stories the whole way kind of like this. Uh, hey, so we're hiring two product security engineers. One what? is a team lead. Uh, and one is a junior product security engineer. So someone with a development background who wants to
1: help secure the ping products. Coal fire is looking for a consultant penetration tester. And this is actually, it sounded like they were hiring multiple. So if you want to be a pen tester, it sounds like coal fire is hiring a lot. Uh, Ames Community College is hiring an information security analyst. That's actually in Greeley. So if you're up north, maybe that's a good opportunity. Uh, Splunk is hiring a senior security engineer for application and mobile penetration testing. There are also several other Splunk jobs here in Colorado. Bank of America is hiring an identity and access management architect. Uh, Bank of America is also hiring lots of other jobs too. (laughs) Uh, Oh, that's Med. Medkeeper is hiring an information security engineer. Digital Globe,
0: also Maxar, is hiring a senior software security architect. Red Robin is looking for a senior security analyst. And wow, 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 the uh, internet provider is hiring an intern for information security. I think you get to work with Steve Swanson, which would be pretty cool. I'm sure you'd like that. Hey, that is it. We made it. Um, We made it through this, this newscast. We did barely. (laughs) It was, it was a tough one. Um, We actually have as a sidebar, (laughs) we we have another interview by Mary Ritz today. Mary uh, met with Chrissy Safi.
1: Yeah. Who's over at IBM. Do you know Chrissy? I do. I used to work with Chrissy a long time ago. Uh, She is now uh, working in their, uh, their X-Force. Um, I think for their red teaming group, I believe. Yeah. Um, and so she manages a team over there and, and Mary has a great interview with her. Well, we're looking forward to that. I am looking forward to that. And Alex, we will talk to you again next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Rob.
0: Hi, this is Jose Calvio, CISO at ASF Payment Solutions. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. For Colorado security professionals, by Colorado security professionals.
2: Hey there, Colorado Equals Security folks. This is Mary Ritz. I'm here with Chrissy Safi. She's a regional leader in North America for the IBM X-Force Red, which is a really cool job. I've known Chrissy for a long time. Chrissy, it's great to be here with you. Uh, What you been up to? What's going on? What's your current role with the X-Force Red? Sure. Hi, Mary. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and
3: uh, talk through a bunch of fun stories and what's going on. So, uh, like you said, I'm part of uh, IBM x Red. I'm the regional leader for North America. I have about 60 or so hackers uh, under me, and uh, I've been working with x Red for about three and a half, three and a half years in various capabilities, um, ranging from offering management, basically taking you know, all of our ideas and uh, bringing them to market, uh, working on different routes to market. Uh, then I was a first-line manager and now in this regional leader Position um, and uh, a lot of a lot of fun things going on in this space, but yeah, like you said, I mean, we've been we've known each other for a long time before security was like even really a thing, which makes us sound really old.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but... yeah. So, so you got started it was like two thousand one, almost twenty years ago. Yeah, forever ago. So it was before security was a thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: Before there were college degrees for any of this, and you know, only a few certifications out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how'd you get started? Well, um, you know, I was thinking back to kind of my younger years and really I've been a hacker and a tinker my whole life. Um, You know, I grew up in a strict household with a lot of what I considered dumb rules at the time, you know, things that your parents make you do or don't do. And my goal with that was really to figure out how to circumvent their rules in a stealthy way so they wouldn't find out. So a couple of funny stories. So when I was younger, we moved around a lot and I would form friendships with different kids that I wanted to stay in touch with. And yeah, sure, we could write letters and, you know, old school snail mail and things like that. This was, you know, back before any of us had email, um, let alone any kind of computers in the house. But for a preteen girl, you know, the phone was way cooler than these uh, handwritten letters. So, um, so, so I wanted to talk on the phone, but back then, I know this is kind of hard to believe, but we were charged by the minute for long distance phone calls. (laughs) And uh, when my parents saw the first phone bill, they promptly forbid me from making any long distance calls without permission first. So this is when I first learned that there were ways to manipulate the telecommunication systems. And I was able to get long distance calls for free. Uh, Later, I learned that this was like actually a thing um, and it had a name called freaking. (laughs) So, um, you know, another uh, funny story when uh, I was a kid that really, you know, made me realize maybe this was uh, uh, something I was destined for, kind of tinkering and figuring out how to get things to work how they're not intended. Um, When I was about like 12 or 13, my parents bought me my first computer. It was a Macintosh. And I was obsessed with trying to figure out how everything worked with it. I'm um, including programming in Apple Logo. Um, that was that like super basic commands um, programming language where you move the little turtle around the screen. Yes, you remember, I remember that? Remember that? Yes. Yeah. So, um, so I was like really into that. And then one day, I got this really cool CD, or I should say, my parents got this really cool CD in the mail. It was for America Online. <laughs> remember that?
2: Yep.
3: <laughs> So I, you know, saw that and I had only heard about the Internet in the movies. And this CD promised me access to this mysterious world for I think it was about 30 minutes, but they wanted a lot of money after that. So in that 30 minutes, somehow I managed to find one of the chat rooms where people were working on ways to kind of circumvent um, America Online and, you know, other providers so they could be online without them really knowing. um, So people weren't charged for it. So I spend hours and hours and hours connected to the internet. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. And, and it, Yeah, I was using one of those like really old modems, the 1200 baud rate modems with that soothing sound. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So screeching,
2: the nice. Yeah, it was
3: great. It was great. (laughs) But my parents, they didn't know anything about computers or the internet really. Um, They just knew that I was spending a lot of time in my room on the computer um, typing away and things like that. But they figured out eventually that I was on this thing called the internet and that this modem was providing this access. So what they do, they took the modem from me every single night to make sure that I would go to bed. Well, I was into figuring out how to circumvent the rules, like I said. So I just went out and bought my own modem. (laughs) And after I would, they would go to bed, you know, after they would take the modem from me and they would go to bed, I would just plug in my own modem and I would have to wrap it though in pillows and blankets because of that awful sound I didn't want them to hear. But I would literally stay up all night surfing the internet and chat rooms trying to figure out, um, you know, kind of how everything worked. So. So yeah, when I just think back about it, I just have been really tinkering and hacking my whole life. I've got all kinds of fun little inter, uh, inventions that I came up with too as a kid, just trying to circumvent my parents' rules. I think that makes you the perfect person to lead. <laughs> <the AMX laughs> <sword
2: spread. laughs> yes.
3: Yeah. We all have, um, these, mi- this mindset of,
2: you know, how can we abuse this thing in a way that it wasn't intended to be used? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A classic pen tester. So, what was your first job in security? Well, my first job in security was actually with
3: IBM. I was an intern, and it all kind of came about in this weird way. I went to uh, university at uh, CU Boulder, and you know, even though I had mentioned, have mentioned, you know, I was tinkering and things like that as I was growing up, I never really thought much about any kind of degree in something computer related. Um, I was really interested in math and biology. And so I thought that was going to be my career path, maybe something in biology. Um, and I was in the lab one day and my TA noticed that I was just really good with computers and was constantly fixing, um, different things going on with the computers, the software, the hardware, things like that. And he pulled me aside and said, Hey, you know, I I know someone at the university who's trying to start up a program to recycle old computers from campus because um, what was happening historically was they were basically just going to waste. So he wanted to, you know, figure out what we could do with them. Could we refurbish them? Could we donate them? Could we auction them off? And so I was his first employee in a warehouse in Boulder, um, taking all of the computers from campus and trying to fix them. Um, so that was interesting. But. And I was still kind of confused on what it was I was going to do with my life. I had a passion for language and traveling. Um, I did a study abroad in Italy. Um, I I learned a lot of Italian living with an Italian family. Um, But I still was kind of lost on what I was going to do um, because the biology thing wasn't really working out. But then I decided to post my resume on the university's job site. And I listed this computer hardware job that I had on my resume. And literally like the next day I got a call from IBM asking if I was interested to come in for an internship uh, or for an interview for an internship. So, I mean, I'll be honest here. I was 21 and my impression of IBM was not that great. <laughs> I mean, I was like, okay, this is a dinosaur of a company. Um, there's going to be a bunch of men there in blue suits. So I don't want to work there, but you know, I went to the interview anyway, always good to go for the interview and get the experience. Um, and you know, again, my impression actually wasn't totally wrong. Um, it was a little, little, um, but I decided to take the job and my job was to walk around to all of people's computers to figure out if their security policy or if their computer was in compliance with the security policy we have automated tools that do this, this these days, but at the time it was a really great experience. And I ended up meeting the team that was doing the ethical hacking and um, I had to audit them and their systems and got to know more about what they were doing. And it sounded really interesting. And so I was like, Hmm, this, you know, I might, I might, I might know a thing or two about, about this area and have the right mindset here. And so I switched over and started my internship um, in that part of IBM. Um, and then uh, from, from there, uh, at the time you did have to have a degree for IBM to hire you was just kind of one of the mandates. And so my quickest way out of college was a degree in Italian. So I have a bachelor's degree in Italian and a minor in business and, um, nice. and, and so, and, and IBM hired me just like they said they would. And from there, my career has really blossomed and taken off.
2: That's really cool. I, um, so I also got my start at IBM, so I've known you for many years. Um, yeah. and, at one point I was part of a a pen testing team there too. And we always had cool stories, but I miss getting to be in the know on all those cool stories. So what's the latest you're leading the X-Force red. What's, what's cool. What's happening with pen tests right now? Yeah, so much stuff. It's
3: such a fun area. Every day is different. Um, I think that's what I love about it most and different challenges and creative people trying to do um, really interesting things. Of course, you know, ethically, um, but our, <laughs> our motto in X-Force Red is to hack anything, to secure everything. So we literally, um, can conduct penetration tests across anything. We do align around four pillars being application, network, hardware and embedded devices and human being like personnel kind of testing like social engineering. So my favorite stories are in the social engineering
2: space. Not surprised.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's crazy to see, you know, how human nature is, um, and how we respond to things. Even when we're told, you know, not to let people tailgate you into buildings or, you know, question people with, you know, the wrong badge, those kinds of things. Um, we just don't do it. So, so it's, um, so those are my favorite stories. Uh, we've also been doing a lot of ATM taste testing lately. Mm -hmm. Um, so. The team has done several engagements now, um, in many countries around the world. And we have a nearly 100% success rate with jackpotting the ATMs. So what does that mean? So that means we can get the, 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 we can, we're able to manipulate the ATM in such a way that it can dispense money when it shouldn't. Um, but what's even cooler about it is that we can get into the backend systems of the ATM and change the denominations. Uh, so when somebody requests a withdrawal, maybe for, you know, a thousand dollars, the system thinks they only withdrew a hundred dollars, but it really gave them a thousand dollars or vice versa. Maybe you put in a hundred dollars, but it credits your account a thousand dollars. So it's really, really neat and, um, and just a growing, growing part of our business.
2: Interesting. On the social engineering side, do you ever feel like a jerk because you're going to get somebody fired? I feel like that's. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, try to preface that with customers, you know, that that shouldn't be their goal. It should be more about awareness training for their employees, not to like fire the poor person that got, you know, suckered into letting us in just because they were trying to be nice. And we had a very convincing story.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. Um, So what's changing in pen testing? When I did it, Let's see. It was over a decade ago and I remember thinking if I would see one more cross-site <laughs> scripting or SQL injection, I would just vomit because I was so tired of seeing those. So tell me, have we fixed that problem is <laughs> no, that? No, <categorical? laughs> no,
3: we haven't. It is still a problem.
2: Is it still a top? Oh my god,
3: yes. It is it is one of the top 10 still. Mm-hmm. We see it on almost all of our engagements where we're testing applications.
2: I, it's, it's a surprise yeah. because if I was going to send an application for a pen test, I would make sure it was clean, as clean as possible. Mm-hmm. So do people send you mm-hmm. pretty clean apps or are they uh, a mess?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of all over the board. Um, but most of the time, you know, we, we they're, they're a mess. Um, they're not they have not integrated security in their development life cycle. Um, so it's, it's a problem. I mean, we are tired of finding those same common vulnerabilities too, because they're just low hanging fruit. Um, we want to find like the juicy things the really, the things that are really challenging that, you know, that need to be identified and fixed.
2: So do you think, so if you find an easy way in, do you think that the pen tester will relax, um, and not try and find the harder ways in because they already found one way in? Like, do you think you get a less of a. I don't know. Do you think you get as comprehensive as a, of a test if you put forward like a web app that's got a bunch of easy vulnerabilities?
3: Yeah. I mean, we do try to do as comprehensive a test as we can, um, but that certainly does make it easier. Uh, our team is very competitive though, so they are always looking for the most challenging ways. But we you know, would prefer to just skip over those basic ones and have them fixed and you know, the, the client spending their money on that early in the development life cycle, because it is more expensive to fix those things later.
2: Right. Yeah. You know? Do you find that people are buying pen tests for compliance or for true security? So it definitely no. used to be a compliance checks box for sure. But now we are seeing
3: um, a big shift in people buying it because they really do want to know about their vulnerabilities and they want to fix them. And, you know, the remediation aspect is the part that we're seeing now is the big hurdle. How do our customers get their hands around all of those vulnerabilities. How do they know which is the right, you know, system owner, application owner, um, to, to fix these things. And then, you know, you may think that, you know, like say, if you're just doing a vulnerability scan that the guidance is straightforward, um, but it's often not, and you need some subject matter expertise to kind of explain, um, a little more in detail what's going on and how to fix it. And, you know, sometimes you can't fix the vulnerabilities, and so you need to come up with different compensating controls um, to to protect yourself. So we're definitely seeing a shift in people that that care about it, um, and we've developed services that are helping with clients to really prioritize their vulnerabilities based on actual weaponization in the wild. So which of these vulnerabilities are actually being exploited by the criminals, and then um, and then managing the remediation process with their teams.
2: Right. Okay. So one thing that used to freak me out was, so you're hiring pen testers and I always felt like, okay, how did they learn their At least when I was doing it, how did they learn their skills? Because in my day, (laughs) there's no way they learned it at a university. They were learning these in really nefarious ways. And then I always also thought, am I going to go to jail? Because are they going to hack into some bank or nation state that's hired me. And then uh, my people are out there putting back doors and I'll never know because like, they're smarter than me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. Is that still a fear? Yes. I mean, no, I mean, we do though still have, you know, the bulk of the people on our team are self-taught. I mean, you know, I told you a little bit about my history. We're just curious people and, you know, want to figure out how this stuff works. And Um, and and so, yeah, most people are really self-taught. There are a lot now, um, of cybersecurity degrees and certification programs that are out there. And, you know, I'm starting to see a trend with the new cadre of early professionals that we're hiring, um, you know, coming out of their undergrad programs with a ton of hands-on experience, um, and winning like numerous capture the flag competitions at all different levels. Uh, so, so we're seeing, we're seeing a little bit of a shift, but I have to say, you know, with the skill shortage we have in this space and with cybersecurity in general, um, on my team in x Red, we are not necessarily requiring bachelor's degrees. If you look at any of our job postings that are out there, um, you'll see, you know, it's, it's a preferred, but it's not a requirement. Um, we're looking for people that have the attacker mindset, um, have the technical skills, um, but it also needs to go beyond that. We're looking for, you know, people that can really interact with clients that can explain the technical, um, aspects to non-technical people, you know, really
2: good communicators. Mm, interesting. So I assume that a lot of people listening are thinking, man, how do I get to become a pen tester? Because that sounds like the coolest job. So what, like, what are the kinds of things? I mean, you mentioned, you look for technical set, communication. Is there any, I don't know, is there any tips that you would have for folks that want to get into this or guidance you give?
3: Yeah, um, so I think getting involved, you know, if you're, if you're a student in a university, getting involved with any cybersecurity clubs, they, there seems to be a lot of them these days. I'm seeing them pop up on resumes. Um, getting involved with that, getting involved with the capture the flag kinds of tournaments or competitions to get that experience, um, is great. Um, attending conferences like DEF CON, um, really showing a passion for, this industry is really important as somebody just entering this, you know, even if you're midway through your career or, or new to this area, um, being able to show that passion and that attacker mindset is really what we're looking for. Um, You know, moving away from those set you know, certifications. I mean, certifications are great um, in, in some regards depending on which ones they are um, but not, not the end all be all for what we're looking for.
2: And do you end up training people after they've joined or hooking them up with a mentor to get smarter or, I don't know, do you put two people on a pen test ever or is it, how does it kind Uh, of work? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we typically have
3: two people on a pen test and, um, we do a lot of shadowing with our early professionals or new people to the team just so they can learn, you know, kind of how X-Force Red does engagements and, you know, what the expectations are. We also have a lot of, you know, methodologies that we leverage. Um, of course, you know, hacking is really more of an art than a science, so we don't tell people how to do their job, but we certainly provide, you know, guidance on what are the client expectations, um, what are your team, the team's expectations, things like that. So a lot of support, um, but also a lot of autonomy um, once you've got kind of your feet um, down and established.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Are most of these tests done on-site or are they done remotely? Yeah, we do most of them remotely these
3: days. Um, so, um, of course, with the exception of things like the physical on-site assessments um, and such with you know our, um, with our uh, social engineering space, but most of them are done remotely. Even if we have like an internal network pen test, um, we're able to use uh, different um, um, uh, tools to you know, deploy inside a client's network to gain remote access. Um, for those, um, we also do hardware testing, and those, uh, we do in our labs. So we have um a few labs around the world. Xhorse Red mm-hmm. Labs our um, main one being in Austin, and so um and historically we were doing a lot of hardware testing, you know, at client sites, and that drives up costs when you know people have to travel for those things, or maybe the client doesn't have the right. Um, you know, facilities for us to test things because sometimes there is, uh, you know, we do like chemical based tests on hardware. Uh, so we you built do out chemical
2: based <laughs> tests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: we do. Yeah, see what happens. You know, when um, you know, you put it with some sulfuric acid. Really. So yeah, so we built out these labs so that our testers have a safe environment to do their testing in, um, and the clients can you know, be comforted by the fact that something that they're giving us that maybe hasn't even hit the market is going to be kept in a secure space. Um, you know, not worry about any leakage. Of,
2: oh, right. 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 Yeah. You know. yeah, That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, okay. So the, the gender ratio, have you guys solved it? Are you 50, 50 <laughs> women, men? Oh man. <laughs> no, I wish, I wish we're,
3: we're, we're, Making big efforts, um, the leaders in IBM security and in x red are very, very focused on, on this, you know, fixing this imbalance, um, you know, very into, you know, recognizing contributions of the individual, whether they're male or female, um, but really focusing on, you know, increasing the representation of women, especially, you know, obviously women that have equal skills as men. So, um, so, a lot of, a lot of good movement in this space in our area in particular.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have navigated being a woman in a male dominant industry for a long time. Any tips, any tips for the women up and coming? Yeah. So,
3: I mean, this may sound kind of cliche because people have been saying this for years to women, you know, take a seat at the table, like literally, but still today you see women deferring to men and, you know, sitting in the seats along the walls in a conference room instead of at the conference room table. Stop doing that. You know, we've been invited to the meeting for a reason. So literally like take that seat at the table with the men and make your voice heard. Um, you know, you probably have a different perspective, whether it's based on your upbringing, your experience, or even just the way your brain works. Um, you know, there's, a, an interesting, um, uh, book and research out there about, you know, men have waffle brains and women have noodle brains or spaghetti brains. And it's just about how, you know, women can connect things that may be unrelated to each other and bring a totally different perspective. Um, so it's important. Take that seat at the table.
2: Yeah. I would echo that too. Although it can feel intimidating to sit right at the front of the table, but, um, I'm with you. If if you get invited into the room, take a seat at the table.
3: Yeah. You've been there. You've been invited for a reason. Do it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The other thing we have in common is you are, um, so you have a challenging career, you're an executive and you have young children. So how, how's it going being um, a mom (laughs) with very young, you have kids that are one and three. And, um, how's that, how's that all going? Have you figured that out? Oh, man. It's, I've, I don't know what I did with all my free time
3: before I had kids. Like, seriously, I, I've wasted a, i have wasted I wasted it away. I don't know. Um, I just feel like I never have enough time in a day, uh, for everything that I want to accomplish, you know, whether it's my career, extracurriculars, um, for myself personally, you know, like I kind of want to have a social life still too. Um, but you know, and then, figuring out, you know, things with my children. And, and then of course there's my husband as well. I guess he gets a little time. <laughs> so, I mean, advice on like how to balance that. Um, the things that I live by <coughs> are really be present. Um, so whether it's you're at work or you're at home with your family or even out with your friends either, like don't be on your phone, try to get your mind off of you know, whatever might be bothering you at work or, or even at home, um, just be present in what you're doing. That'll really maximize for me that maximizes my ability to focus and really add value um and enjoy that moment, those moments.
2: Yeah, I think it's easy to fall into the trap of feeling bad about the one thing the one you're not tending to at mm-hmm. the
3: current kind of time. Yeah. yeah, I can. Um, and then my other piece of advice is set boundaries and stick to them. So you know, in a lot of cases, it's okay to say no to things that fall outside of your boundaries. I mean, yeah, that may be you know easier said than done. um and of course, there's gonna be exceptions, but not every last request can be an exception to your boundaries. You'll burn out quickly. So you know, I am lucky to work for an organization that supports working mothers and and working fathers too, for that matter. And promotes a culture that supports balance and flexibility and allows me to have those boundaries because they are important. And then my third thing is outsource what you can or what you want to at home. So, for example, I hate shopping for clothes and I hate shopping for groceries. So, yeah, it's the worst, Um, especially clothes. So, I use services that take care of that. Um, And, you know, every Quarter every month, whatever time period I choose, new clothes show up in a box, and you know it's personally stylized for me. It's it's great. Um, you know there there are other things um, that I don't like to do either that I outsource, like uh, cleaning toilets. I don't clean toilets, but my <laughs> so my husband does. I outsource <laughs> that to him. <laughs> um, and then finally, delegation. Um, it's key really, and I don't just mean at work to you know other folks that you work with or even people you manage. Um delegating things at home too. So like I mentioned, I delegate cleaning toilets to my husband. Um he handles, you know, other tasks that I just don't have the bandwidth to do. Um I delegate to my kids too. So yeah. take advantage
2: of them. I like to say I've outsourced everything that's humanly possible yeah. to outsourced that I'm willing to outsource. There's exactly. some things I don't want to outsource.
3: Exactly. Exactly. Like like I love to cook. And so I, I can't outsource that. Um, I mean, I could, I yeah, could. you're a
2: really good cook too, right? You went, <laughs> did you go to
3: culinary school? Yeah, I went to culinary school. So, I mean, I love it. I'm just, I'm currently struggling with, um, you know, having like figuring out how to balance, you know, all the responsibilities and commitments I have with doing things that I love like cooking. Like I would love to be able to figure out how do I cook dinner before my kids come home and are unbearably hangry and tired. Um, and I have yet to kind of master that right now. We are, you know, big fan of chicken dino nuggets. Um, yeah. So, you know, I find in my house, we're making two dinners oftentimes, you know, one for the kids before they go to bed. And then we get a little time to make dinner for ourselves, but by then it's so late, we just want to go to bed. So I got to, that's something I'm struggling with, um, as you know, a mom and, kind of being a newly
2: appointed executive and trying to figure out how to balance all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, switching gears here. So what's the hard part about running a pen test team? Are there some surprises? Not to like grossly stereotype hacker,
3: but communicating with clients is not always their forte or their interest. Um, And so we, we work really hard to, um, navigate that one um, to make, you know, everybody's lives better, make our hackers, make sure the hackers are doing the things they want to do, but the client is getting the communication that they want.
2: Do you think that, so in all that, so it sounds like a lot of the new up and coming pen testers are getting a lot of education academically. Are they getting trained in the social skills or is that are they coming in with a gap in that area? Yeah, no, um,
3: you know, we're seeing a bit of a gap in that area, um, to be honest. So definitely something we're working through. IBM, fortunately, does have a lot of training, um, in-house training on like emotional intelligence and consulting skills and things like that. So that's one of the first things that we have the team do uh, or the early professionals do. Um, and also, you know, since they're hooked up with mentors and such um, and they do shadowing on tests, they can learn kind of what the expectations are with, communication and, you know, frequency of that and how to do that professionally and, and things like that. So yeah, still, still a gap, but <laughs> something that we are well aware of
2: and actively addressing. Yeah, that sounds uh, very similar to my experience. Yeah. at to go. Um, I definitely want to ask you about mentoring that you do locally. I know you're involved in some local mentoring. Uh, can you tell a bit about that? Yeah, sure. So
3: I love mentoring, and I love mentoring the next generation of cybersecurity or even just, you know, technology minds, uh, especially here in Colorado, since this is where we live, and I'm raising my kids here as well. Um, so I do um, mentoring for primarily for P-TECH, which is Pathways in Technology Early College High Schools. So here in Colorado, this the P-TECH program is a partnership between IBM, Front Range Community College, and then St. Brain School District, specifically Skyline High School in Longmont. And the kids that are part of this program will graduate from high school in four years with an associate's degree in something technical of their choosing um, as part of the curriculum. Um, for free, no extra costs, free college associates degree. It's pretty awesome. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, I didn't
2: know about that.
3: Yeah, it's a really great program. It's actually nationwide. Um, it's something that uh, Jenny Rametti, our CEO of IBM, talks about often as um, you know something that's high on her priority list and something you know really important to her. So um, so we're in our third year now of the uh, this particular uh, program. and so my mentee is a junior finishing up her junior year of high school and for all of the kids in this program, they will have internships this summer with IBM uh, at the Boulder campus. And so I'll have one intern uh, working for X-Force Red with me for the summer. Um, And then as far as like other activities, um, like I said, I really am into mentoring the next generation. So IBM has a program um, that we support called Cyber Day for Girls. So I do um, events related to that and we kind of expanded to Cyber Day for Kids. Um, as well. So we can get kind of bigger, um, bigger
2: reach. It's fun to, to be able to mentor these young kids. I did a mentoring thing. It was in Fort Collins last, uh, maybe it was about six months ago. And I tell you what, these fourth graders were asking me to look at their code. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think you need me mentoring you. You guys are going to be just fine. Yeah.
3: Just fine. <laughs> yeah. These kids are really, really smart, but you know, they really do like having us older people to talk to and, you know, get perspectives on what does, what do these jobs really look like? I mean, think back to when you were in high school. I mean, I had no idea what I was going to do with my life really.
2: Yeah. No, me either. Well, okay. To wrap it up, any tips, any tips for those listening? Yeah. I mean, I guess the final thing to wrap on, I
3: mean, this is what I tell all of the folks that I mentor is, you know, build your network Invest in those relationships, cultivate that network. Um, you know, those relationships should also have mutual value. It should be a win-win for both people. Um, but really, really take care of those relationships. Um, you know, what I've, what I've seen, um, for myself and for others, a lot of times, you know, it's about who you know that kind of gets you in the door. Sometimes it's not what you know. So cultivate those, those networks, take care of those relationships.
2: Yeah. I found the same. I found that. I do see, I, I mean, I have had success both ways, but I've had the most exciting, meaningful jobs connected somehow, some way through my network. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's me too. Yep. Well, uh, thank you, Chrissy, so much for joining us. This is uh, Colorado Equals Security. We're happy to be podcasting out to y'all. Thanks, everybody. Talk thank to you later. You. Bye. Bye.